Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, well, from uh, from what I saw at the opening, um, which was a great event, it's a partnership between uh, uh, educational institutions in Windsor. Uh, it's located at St. Clair College, and uh, it also includes um, a German engineering company, some Canadian um, some some Canadian auto automotive parts manufacturers. And it's going to be a site for um, research and development and prototyping. And I'm really excited to see how it evolves. I know there's discussion about uh, prototyping EVs. I imagine that it will involve some process um, optimization, some process development. And it's just a, it's a great place to, uh, to, to have this located in Windsor. Um, and for anyone who was uh, at the opening last, um, you know, you can really just understand how welcoming an environment it is uh, for folks involved um, in the automotive industry from tip to tail, from design to, um, to final assembly. Sure, and, and and I'll take this in a in a very uh, particular direction from and s simply from my vantage point. The the there are um, in Canada right now there are hundreds upon hundreds of discrete or individual initiatives underway. Some of them are located squarely in a university or a government research research lab. Some of them are squarely located in you know a, a, a facility owned by Magna or General Motors or Toyota. And these are all great. Where I where I think or where I saw the real advantage to this particular facility um, is that it gives a, a real physical space and a location for collaboration between uh, the public and the private sector. And I think it's really important, you know, th th to make this space. There are uh, a few really um, amazing clusters of uh, automotive innovation uh, really emerging and solidifying in uh, and across Canada. And we certainly see this in Waterloo. We see this in the parts of the GTA, particularly in the kind of northern and northwestern parts of the GTA, where uh, a handful of the world's largest manufacturers are headquartered. Uh, we see this in Burnaby with fuel cells and in parts of, uh, of Quebec. And, you know, we're hearing more and more about an Abitibi lithium cluster. Um, where this really starts to, where Windsor uh, and this facility really start to help uh, make distinct and, and help uh, help help us compete providing that physical space for collaboration in the event that somebody wants says okay well I want to come see what's happening in Windsor um, yeah you, you know you can take them to the assembly plant you can take them to the engine plant maybe on the right day um, but having a space like this is I think really 
important. And this is something that um, a friend and a colleague of mine, Greg Mordu, and I spent some time in Spain and in Austria, kind of seeing how they did the automotive industry. And one of the things we noticed is that they have these cluster organizations that have physical space, sometimes located right on the property of one of the automakers. The automakers have provided this space so that the cluster has somewhere to coalesce around. So I think this is what we're seeing uh, uh, an example of. Uh, I, I think uh, I think to some degree. Um, I also think it's it's a space not only for collaboration but uh, potentially for collision, where you might have company A, B, and C working on project one over here. You might have company D, E, and F working on project two on the other side of the building, and all of a sudden they look at each other and go, "Hey, what are you working on? That sounds interesting." And, and, and it really, I mean, so, th but this is, this cannot happen absent that physical space. Um, so I think this is, uh, this is again, back to my point about why that's so important, but certainly is this uh, an initiative that is consistent with uh, elements of, uh, of Marchioni's vision? Absolutely. Well, well, trade, <laughs> and that's um, and that that's in our face today. And uh, I, you know, I think uh, your uh, plug for your podcast this week, uh, um, I think that that Flavio covered it pretty well and in much more detail um, than 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 I am able to. Uh, I I generally have some faith that there are solutions out there to these trade issues and that we have people who are competent enough to uh, understand uh, how important these issues are. And, you know, one of the competitive advantages that, that North America brings to the rest of the world, well, and to itself and internally, is that the automotive industry is so integrated across borders and in, in the U.S. Midwest and in Ontario, and we're potentially more integrated um, with mineral extraction and processing, if we do this thing right, if we get our if we get our heads around uh, 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 how important it is to um, make sure the industry remains integrated, and I have some faith that that we're going to get there. Um, I mean, it's really sine qua non to a successful automotive industry in Canada moving forward. Full stop. Um, uh, what I really see in Canada 
is this real collection of uh, amazing initiatives from uh, from Burnaby, British Columbia. Well, I mean, frankly, from the University of British Columbia, uh, about as you know as far west as you can get on the mainland, to 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 Halifax, and and there are so many things happening in Canada that it's very hard to for everybody to keep tabs on it. We're trying at Trillium, and 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 uh, you might hear a bit more about that moving forward. But we first have to keep tabs on it, um, and then we have to to kind of bring everything together and start coordinating things and start understanding that that interprovincial collaboration is going to be extremely important. And we're seeing what we're seeing in the U.S. now, and and certainly with some of the narrative coming out of Tennessee, just how aggressive. Tennessee was uh, the, the the state of Tennessee and their economic development folks. How aggressive they were in going after the new Ford plant and in standing Tennessee up against Michigan and saying, "Why would you invest in Michigan?" Well, you know, this is this is Tennessee's narrative. Put it in Tennessee. Don't put it in Michigan. And and that's just, I mean, that's wow. So there is. Uh, between Tennessee, between California, between Michigan, they're starting to really compete within the United States for these investments with each other. If we in Canada could buck that trend and say, okay, let's bring this together. Let's make this more of a pan-Canadian industry than it ever has been before. And we have that opportunity in front of us with the... um, bringing mining and refining more squarely into the automotive industry. Let's do the opposite of what they're doing uh, in the U S where they're starting to states are starting to duke it out for this investment. Let's bring it together. Let's get the investment to Canada first. Let's solve Canada's problems first and then figure out, you know, is this going to Quebec or Ontario or British Columbia or Manitoba or what have you? Um, So I see you know, any competitive advantages that Canada is going to derive in the future are going to come from better collaboration, better coordination, and uh, uh, and and maybe some collisions of some of these activities that are uh, right now best described as discrete, hundreds, thousands of discrete activities that are happening across the country in many instances completely unbeknownst to the other people who with whom or the other companies or organizations uh, organizations people could be collaborating so i mean that's that's where i see the immediate you know the the, the next steps for this thing um the nice thing is we've got a lot of stuff on the ground but it's how do we leverage that how do uh, we make the whole greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and it's going to take some effort and it's going to take some foresight and it's going to take some initiative. We have a lot of uh, economic challenges uh, in front of us right now, housing shortages, labor shortages. And so how do we make sure that the automotive industry kind of uh, emerges as one of these priority issues uh, moving forward? Like, uh, you know, but if we have all these folks coordinated, working together, reminding people that they should be a priority and why they're a priority. 
um, a, a priority to economic well-being, a priority to well-being, uh, environmental well-being, and sustainability. Uh, I think I think that's um, really important to, you know, what's next? How do we move this thing forward? How do we do it successfully? One hundred percent, one hundred and a million percent. I mean, uh, it's it, it's it's about time, and 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 again, we have we have clusters and lists of of discrete initiatives and uh, and very valuable capabilities. We got to bring, and it's going to take a strategy to do that, and it's going to take. Uh, uh, coordination and probably, you know, some type of coordinating body with authority. Um, we can't have seven coordinating bodies. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's time. It's also um, with the opportunity that electrification presents again, back to this whole pan Canadian idea. Um, you know, it was uh, until relatively recently, it was quite hard to really pitch automotive as a pan-Canadian thing to, to folks in Saskatchewan or to, to, or to folks in, 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 in Cape Breton. Um, and, and now, well, we're, if we can do this kind of tip to tail um, battery supply chain, well, this extends into Northern communities and communities. this extends into first nations communities. And so, uh, you know, I think this coordinated strategy could be one that brings uh, uh, wealth and economic prosperity, uh, that brings uh, a greater environmental sustainability, um, that brings infrastructure development, not just to Windsor and Cambridge and Oshawa and Saint Therese, um, but in Winnipeg, right? But, but it brings it to, um, to Northern Quebec. It brings it to Northern Saskatchewan. Uh, it brings it to um, to, to, to Northwestern Ontario. Um, the opportunities in front of us, the, the time, uh, the, the, the time to act on it was yesterday. Um, but the next, but the next best thing after yesterday is today. And I think, I think we're going to be, um, hearing a lot more about some of this, uh, over the next weeks and months. Um, there, I, I know that there are some uh, there are some in-person conferences coming up very soon, uh, at which some of these issues and some of these uh, ideas will get hashed out, formally and informally. Um, and frankly, um, I'm excited about this opportunity we have uh, uh, in front of us. And I guess I, I also plan on remaining vigilant. Um, and making sure that people um, don't forget just how important it is to really get moving on this stuff, um, or at least on the parts of it that we haven't really got moving on yet. So.
Well, I mean, I, I think it, I don't know if it's resistance. I think it may just be the reality of the industries to date that it, it has been. Um, well, not. I mean, if you if if you go back twenty years, the uh, you know ninety five plus percent of the automotive industry in Canada um, existed in a corridor between um, Windsor and Montreal and the greater Montreal area. If you look at today, 95% of that industry in terms of employment and economic output um, it, it occurs in a corridor between Windsor and Oshawa. Um, and, and so, and that's, that, that's just the reality. So how do you pitch a pan Canadian initiative that is really centered in, you know, well, is centered in the most populous part of the country. Um, and so I think part of the exercise, I don't, I think it's more than just an exercise, but part of the strategy is going to have to say, okay, well, let's, um, let's call the uh, bus manufacturing in Winnipeg and in Quebec, what it is part of the automotive industry. And let's figure out how to start making, um, you know, really recognizing certain elements of mining and refining as part of the automotive industry. And, you know, and recognize that those don't happen in Southern Ontario for the most, the mining and refining for the most part happen outside of, southern ontario and montreal and that i think that might be the pitch to the uh, um i mean think about down in windsor for, for and we you know i have these um conversations uh, over coffee or over beer with our friends at the mold makers and automate canada um and we have really kind of you know there's been a real narrative that the tooling and automation industry in canada is just in the automotive industry i i disagree it's 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 its own industry but a big part of it exists to serve the automotive industry. So I think that's what we need to think about when we think about mining and refining, that mining and refining is its own industry with its own, its own geographic reality. But, you know, X percent of it, uh, and, and that X percent is increasing uh, over time, X percent of it exists because its customers at the end of the day are automakers and automotive parts manufacturers. Um, so let's, you know, make sure that we recognize that and bring those folks and their employees and the policymakers um, at all levels of government who are most familiar with them. Let's bring them. And I think we, we, we already are more squarely into the kind of automotive umbrella. Uh, it's such a fascinating industry. There's so many diverse activities feeding it. And, and so let's recognize it for what it is and turn this into this uh, and start um, and start pitching it as a pan-Canadian endeavor so that we can build a pan-Canadian strategy uh, that for, uh, you know, however many years, um, since all, I don't know, 2001, um, people have really been clamoring for. And I think there's a lot of value in that.
Thanks for having me.